Welcome to Verbal Tap, the show that proves that fighting is much easier from outside of the cage. Now, many of you may notice this isn't Kevin, who's leading off the podcast right now. Uh, that is because Kevin is actually getting ready to go to Washington, D.C., I think. And uh, he's about to be, I guess, traveling, either for fun or pleasure. I don't really talk to Kevin all that much, uh, aside from when we're doing the podcast, so I really don't know what he's all about. Uh, but yes, we we have come back today for what we like to call an emergency broadcast. Uh, because here's the thing, guys. When you have the winner of EBI giving you a call and saying that he would like to talk, well, my friends, you take that phone call. That's right. Today, we have a very special episode of Verbal Tap with our good friend, Gio Freakazoid Martinez. And uh, Gio was nice enough to give us some of his time. And I, I couldn't be happier because this whole interview that we did today took us through all of the mentality he had going into EBI. We talk about his history of how he got involved in jiu-jitsu. We talk a little bit about, you know, some of the drama that seemed to follow into this whole uh, EBI 10 preparation, as well as, you know, maybe how some of the uh, past performances at EBI uh, prior uh, came to fuel him for something incredibly amazing here today. But guys... I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate Gio for taking his time to talk with us, most importantly because of this reason. Uh, you guys have gotten used to seeing me do interviews after EBI where I get excited because I get to talk with our friends, and one of the things that really bummed me out about this one was this was the first EBI I've missed since EBI 2. So I've been at every single one of them, and I've always loved trying to talk with the athletes to get a perspective of what they're thinking, where their game was, or what stuff they didn't expect, because in that moment you really get a raw response from what it is they felt and they were thinking. And for Gio to go ahead and give us his time here today, we not only got that, but we got a little bit more, we got to spend a whole hour and I think 10 minutes talking about just about anything you can imagine. So... I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get you guys straight to the interview. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do here. And uh, I know Kev, uh, when I told him I was going to be doing the interview, he was a little bummed that he wouldn't get to talk with Gio because Gio's a beast. But uh, he was so excited to hear that um, Gio wanted to, to give us the exclusive to talking about his EBI performance and much, much more. So we hope that you guys enjoy the interview. And without any further ado, let's get straight to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited because uh, the minute we saw our good friend, Geo Freakazoid, win at fucking EBI, all of us went nuts. All of us went crazy. And uh, I sent a note over to him. He has been so nice to grant us an interview just immediately after winning. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our good friend, your good friend, Geo Freakazoid Martinez. Geo, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good, and thanks for the introduction, and really appreciate the love. You already know that. Dude, I mean, here's the thing. is It's a really easy thing to get behind you. You are one of the nicest people in all of jiu-jitsu, not just 10th Planet, but just all in jiu-jitsu. I think people wanted to see you versus Eddie, so there was already so many narratives that people were getting behind you. You're already a champ. I, I think it just seemed like something that everybody wanted to will to happen. Uh, when you were going into this, though, what was your mentality going into EBI 10? Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely felt a lot of pressure, but 
I felt really confident too because I know I feel strong in that weight class. I don't really have to cut too much weight. And, uh, you know, I just I felt pressure just like any other tournament. And I really want to do good. And I, I know, um, you know, I have a lot of good support and I, I want to make them proud. You know, I want to make the people around me happy. And it just it, it felt like I put a lot of pressure on myself, but it was like what I needed to just kind of get me ready physically and mentally. You know, I kept using all that. You know, I like to put pressure on myself just to, you know, just kind of to want to step it up, you know, that that little pressure or that pressure you put on yourself can benefit you in the long run if you know how to handle it. Some people don't like handling pressure. I uh, I like it. You know, it felt good. It felt I had a lot of pressure going on to the tournament, but that made me want to train harder, made me want to train smarter, and it, it just made me want it more. So I felt really good, though, honestly, physically and mentally as well. How do you get that in check? Like, especially week of, like, how is it, if you are putting that pressure on yourself, how is it that you're able to kind of navigate that to get you in that place ready to go mentally of week of competition? It's like an inner battle, you know, like, it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes. Like, sometimes you just, you need good uh, support, you know, you need good people around you, and you need to just kind of remember that you're doing this because you want to do it, because you like to do it. It's not because anybody's forcing me to do it. Like, this is what I want to do. So I like to put the pressure on myself. And I I, I also remind myself it's a game, though. It's, it's for fun, you know. Win or lose, ultimately, is I love doing it. So I'm not scared to lose either, you know, and it happens sometimes. But I just I, – I let the pressure – like, I use it as a – as a tool to motivate me more instead of using it as something to drag me down. I, everybody feels pressure. It just depends how you kind of look at it, you know. And, and it's not easy, not even for me, you know. Probably, I know, I know high-level guys that always tell me, like, you know, they feel like throwing up sometimes before they compete and they get nervous. Like, everybody gets nervous. And <laughs> it's not necessarily because you think you're going to get hurt. It's more because you want to do good, yeah. you know. It's that inner you. You want to you wanna prove to yourself that you're actually – training the smart way and you're you know you're pushing in you're doing the right thing because especially when you're working hard like you don't want to disappoint people but especially you don't want to disappoint yourself that's what really counts like i don't want to disappoint myself you know and i want to i want to go out there and like prove to myself what i'm capable of doing Mm. i i I see that so much with you in that you know you're you're always game for any kind of uh competition we see you doing multiple types of competitions so i always appreciate that about you I have to ask, though, when you saw this, obviously there was a lot of people who wanted to see you and Eddie, and we're going to get to all of that in a bit, but were there any people that stood out to you that you looked at that you were like, you wanted a match with, or that like, uh, just you were intrigued by when you saw the list of competitors? Yeah, like, honestly, um, at first I wanted to, uh, of course, I wanted to go up against like Samir, like Brock the Plata, and I was disappointed that they, they dropped, you know, like, they 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 would have made the the win a little bit better, you know. I, I would have felt like happy to be one of them along the way, and I felt I could have, you know. So I was, it was like I feel really confident when it comes down to the EBI submission rules, you know. What I mean that's what we really train for. So I was ready to go up against some of those guys and kind of show them that you know like it's a different kind of style of jiu-jitsu. I got respect for all those guys, you know. They're really talented. Don't get me wrong. And, they probably could do some damage themselves, but like I said, I feel this is like my kind of tournament, and I feel I have the advantage. So I was willing, to, I was ready to compete against those guys, even if I had to beat them in the finals or in the beginning, whatever. I was just ready to compete against them too, and like prove that to the, you know, kind of the people that are obsessed with IBJJ. I wanted them to, or I, you know, like 
the, there's a lot of different guys that only focus on IBJJ tournaments. They don't really think about the sub-only tournaments. And, you know, to have two guys like that, they pretty much won every medal in those IBJJ tournaments. To see them compete in the EBI rule set, I mean, that's kind of intriguing. That's interesting. I think a lot of people would like to see that, too. So I kind of wanted to do that, too. But, you know, I saw a lot of good, good matches, of course. Like, seeing, um, you know, our, the guy from um, the U.K., Ashley Williams is really good, you know, and he had a tough match versus, you know, one of the Mexican dudes, you know. Mm. He, Alexis Alexis was, you know, uh, everyone thought that guy, uh, you know, I, the guy from the U.K. was going to come in there and kind of get on Alexis. But if you know Alexis, he's a killer, you know. he's He trains hard, and those guys, are, they have a lot of heart, you know. So it, it was very interesting to see um, Alexis win that first match right there and kind of, took out uh, Ashley Williams, which everyone thought Ashley Williams had a really good chance because he was already, uh, he did a really good um, showing for uh, the 145 versus um, a very tough opponent, you know, um, so it, it, was, it was, I was curious to see what he was going to do. He ended up losing first round to to uh, Alexis and Alexis was like, to me, like the surprise, you know, he came through and kind of um, submitted, a, a beat a good solid black bow and not only that, it was an entertaining match. So I was kind of, I really wanted to see how that match was going to go through. And of course, like seeing Barry Yoshida, you know, he, he's he's always a legend. He will, I'll, I will always love to go up against him. I haven't went up against him, and yeah, I have a lot of respect for him. I've been watching him since, uh, you know, before I even knew what Jiu-Jitsu was. I just Barry Yoshida is kind of like, you know, he, like watching his matches are, like, they're very to me. They help me out a lot. You know, they're they're very interesting. I love. I love watching his style. He always had a unique style. And coming up, I, he was one of the guys that we really looked up to. And just to compete, I haven't got the chance to compete against him. So, you know, there's a possibility I might have went up against him and I was, like, ready to go up against him too. But really, like, I like going up against guys that I never went up against. So it was cool to see, you know, different people that they're, they're not really around me or I never really got the chance to compete against them. It was cool to just get the chance to experience new, be- new people, new body types and, you know, people that never got to roll with anybody like me, I guess, was it felt good just to kind of like put my style, you know, like represent yeah. my style and just show them that I'm different. You know, I'm not a typical jujitsu dude. That's uh, putting it lightly, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially with your flexibility, sure. there are definitely moments when I'm watching you compete that I go, "Yeah, my leg's broken there." Nope. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, you you mentioned uh, Barrett Oshida. I think it's no secret now that our good friend Eric Medina, he was going up against him first round. I was texting him back yeah. and forth, and I was helping him get ready for EBI. And then all of a sudden, I look and I see Barrett Yoshida, and I go, "Well, dude, he's a legend. Let's uh, get that out of the way." And uh, number yeah. two, he's gonna have every wily, crafty trick in the book. And I was like, "So yeah. good luck figuring out anything yeah. on that part, dude," because that was he, it. He did really good though. Eric did really good, and it was a good battle. I was surprised. Like, Eric looked good in that weight class. He looked like he was ready, and um, Barry Oshita kind of looked like the weight cut kind of affected him a little bit, you know? So it's like, I like how um, Eric looked. He did a good weight cut, and um, he looked he looked ready. He was, he was playing the game smart and took uh, Barry Oshita to overtime, and honestly, I, I thought uh, Barry Oshita was in trouble with that arm triangle at the end. It was, he held on, and, um, you know, I guess time beat Eric, but yeah. Definitely, that was good to see that too. I was like, "Whoa!" Like, there's you never know what's gonna happen in EBI. You know, mm-hmm. EBI has like it's unpredictable. It's like you don't know. So going into EBI, I always I think the same way. I'm like, man, like I I don't underestimate anybody. I feel like everybody's gonna try to kill me like right off the bat. Yeah. That everybody has the potential of you know kind of 
shooting and landing, you know. So I, I don't. <laughs> people people just start shooting crazy, you know. Like yeah. it's like a we're, we're both trying to catch each other first, but so I gotta be ready always, and I never underestimate anybody. And I, it's interesting rolling against people you never roll with or never really seen too much of. Because then it's like you never know what to expect, and it kind of is out the best out of you sometimes. Well, the the big joke that we had was we heard uh, Barrett was a little over, I guess, going into it. And, uh, you know, I had kept telling Eric this and kept telling him, and I was like, uh, he's like, yeah, dude, I, I, we're hearing maybe he might be a little over or something. And I was like, don't believe it. Don't believe it. He's too crafty. That's all. It's all a lie. Yeah. He, he's going to yeah. lose that weight like in two seconds. It's just. He did. Yeah, sure enough, weird. he did. I was like, yeah, dude, I was like, don't believe a damn word they're saying. So uh, it's very nice of you to compliment yeah. Eric. He was very, very – he said um, that afterwards you you went up and you greeted him and you, you said some really nice things, and uh, obviously that's great. Yeah. And, I mean, for Eric being a purple belt, taking it to a legend who's a black belt longer than he's probably even been doing jiu-jitsu, like that's the beauty oh. of, of what EBI provides, I think, for individuals to really test themselves on a large scale like that. Not everybody can ride to occasion either. You know, it's hard up there. It's not easy. Yeah, definitely, man. So I have to ask you this because you're mentioning observing people. And, I, again, I want to get to your competition a little bit and uh, actually the process yeah. of, of Mexico. But I am interested to hear how is it that you're able to process and watch people as this tournament's going on? Because aren't you in your zone, but you're also observing your competitors for future hints or ideas or concepts? And some people just don't yeah. even watch. So where do you fall on that spectrum? You know, I, I enjoy watching jiu-jitsu competitions, and I feel like it just gives me more pump, and it kind of allows me to see what's happening in the moment, you know, kind of analyzing the, how the event's going and what's working for other people and what's not working for other people. And it, I, I like to study while I'm competing, you know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to create a game plan mentally, you know, and just to to make me feel a little more confident when I go on the mat. I kind of have a strategy for every individual, and I just see, I get ideas from other people doing certain things. So I, I always uh, I always felt that that was important. I used to do that breakdancing. Like, I would love to watch my competition while they're battling just to kind of see what, what I'm, what I'm going to get myself into, who I'm going to battle, or what kind of style I'm going to battle. And uh, that works very similar to jiu-jitsu, so watching uh, other people compete and, Watching other people go out there, it just kind of mentally prepares me, and I, I create a game plan for everybody. And it, it helps out sometimes. Sometimes I don't really – it doesn't really come to play, but it's definitely something that makes me feel more confident before I get on the mat. Is it hard to get lost in it because you're a fan? Because I know just without even competing when I'm watching you guys, you can get lost in, like, what the matches are because they get so exciting at times. Yeah. It just makes me. It just makes me want to jump in there. I like. I like doing that. But I, every time I watch a good match or something, I'm like, man, I wish that was me. I wish I was in there. I wish like, I wish I was the guy in that position or that moment. You know, and it's just kind of like I want to be that guy. Like I, I like watching it, so I even like doing it even more. You know what I mean? Like watching it's cool, but if I get the opportunity to do it, it just kind of it makes me more hype. You know, I get more hype for that. I'm like oh, shit, like, you know, I get really pumped when someone, like, does something else, they like, feed off that energy, and I'm like, it's my turn, like, I want to go in there and feed off that energy and kind of use it towards my advantage. One thing I've always been curious with you, just in terms of your own personality and how you've transitioned to jiu-jitsu, and you mentioned this with the competition scene for breakdancing, like, how similar and how different are they? Because uh, I'm just curious, because I know from what I know from people that you were well known on the breakdancing circuit 
for a long time, and people had a high amount of respect for you there. And they said that you, you yep. approach the competition scene similarly, but I don't know that people fully understand that. Is there a major difference, or is it more similar than people think? Um, very similar. Uh, definitely very similar. Um, I felt like that's always been uh, something that a key a key point to my uh, success in jiu-jitsu, I feel, has been like my breakdancing experience, you know, and battling, because it's very intense, you know, the battlefield, the the battle scene is very intense. You have to be uh, a high-level athlete. you got to be training day and night. You have to train yourself. You don't really have a coach. It's really you training yourself with your crew and your buddies, and you guys kind of making each other train every day for nothing. You know, you're not making money. You're not doing much, but you're pushing yourself to train because what you love to do, and you love to challenge your body and your mind physically, and you're constantly thinking about different patterns and memorizing patterns and thinking about different concepts and, and you know, all that stuff. You train really hard. You put in a lot of work. But then when you go on the battlefield, it, it's a different kind of pain. You know, when someone's better than you and they beat you because they're better than you or they just steal the crowd from you, it's a, it hurts. You know, like it, it, it's like an insult to your to your being. You know, like you're just – it doesn't feel good when someone's there. Like it's just better than you and you know it and you know they're cleaner than you and they're just feeling it better. It kind of hurts your ego, you know, and, and it's very tough. And you did too. It's similar, you know, you get tapped out and then – it sucks physically and mentally. Um, you're constantly competing against somebody uh, and jiu-jitsu. You know, that's how it works. And breakdancing is like you're competing a lot within yourself and you're, you're battling uh, kind of like you're battling the, the floor. You know, you're battling. You're, you're trying to compete against the floor. You're trying to master the floor and you're trying to be able to be look good in the circle. So that's like your object, objective. You know, it's, it's a lot of... Um, ego checks, you know, and breakdancing and, and jiu-jitsu. It's like, you know, you get choked out by someone that's smaller than you or less experienced than you, it, 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 like, it challenges your ego. And dancing is the same thing. You know, someone uh, beats you or smokes you, it challenges your ego. And, and it's very mentally draining and it also makes you mentally stronger at the same time if you overcome it. So you learn your lessons a lot in dancing and in jiu-jitsu. And they're, they're very similar in that sense that, you know, it's, it's something that you're really passionate about. There's a winner and there's a loser. And um, and it's definitely not easy to get good at. You have to definitely put in a lot of work. To be a world-class breakdancer, you have to be, you have to put in as much work as a black belt does to get his black belt in jiu-jitsu, maybe even more. And it's a lot harder because you don't really have a guideline. And it's, it's, it's like you got to kind of create your own way. And jiu-jitsu, at least there's a guideline. There's there's kind of like a, a blue book for every system, you know, and mm. and dancing not really. It's like you got to earn your own respect, and you got to kind of do it over and over and over. It's like till you, till people kind of like you're just in the scene. They just memorize you. They're like, oh shit, that's Freakazoid or <laughs> that's Boogeyman. I don't want to battle them. Like they're good. Like and they bring it. And you know the different approach that I have in breakdancing and jiu-jitsu is like when I started battling and b-boying and breakdancing, I was more aggressive. I was more like. I just didn't care. Like my personality was like fuck everybody, like fuck the world, fuck you know, like like it's just us, the freak show versus everybody. Our food, like we're 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 way different. We're 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 unique. We're not like anybody else. We have our own style. Like we're better than everybody. You know, that's kind of the mentality you gotta have in dancing to do good. You know, you gotta kind of have like that uh, aura around you. You gotta kind of build that around you. You gotta be like, man, like if you start telling everybody that you're like the best and you're you're, you're not like anybody else and it becomes true you know it just becomes a reality and as you did too kind of try to have a mentality like that too like man like my style is different like 
nobody could roll like I do. And I train with the best. I train with Eddie Bravo. I train with super high level guys that understand the system, understand the jiu-jitsu. You know, Eddie's been, Eddie's from John Jog. John Jog knows so much knowledge. Just like there's so much history within my school that uh, you know I feel like I know everything in jiu-jitsu. I know a lot of concepts. I know a lot of ideas, and now I gotta execute everything I learned. But it's like it, it all connects. You know, jiu-jitsu and breakdancing is. You can connect them in so many different ways. I can go on forever, and I just kind of feel like I never stop dancing. I still break dances because I'm doing jiu-jitsu, and I, I do jiu-jitsu, and I, I break dances. They're all connected. It's <laughs> one to me. I can't even, like, tell them apart no more. <laughs> your, your school seems like the most terrifying to me in this sense, in that I don't know if I'm going to get challenged for a role or a dance-off. So I think oh, in God. that respect, uh, I'm always a little apprehensive about what I think goes on in my brain over there. Uh, but, uh, Gio, I guess the thing I've always wondered is, is if you make that transition, what was the push that started getting you from breakdancing to jiu-jitsu? Like, it seemed like you were so loved and you loved that sort of thing. I'm curious where the passion for jiu-jitsu took you to doing more of this. Like, I just wanted something different, you know, like, I felt like breakdancing. I, I felt like even though I had a, I accomplished a lot, you know, a lot than a lot of, a lot more than a lot of breakdancers did it, and I did it in a young age. And I, I felt like I did it, you know, and I felt like kind of like accomplished, but it wasn't really getting me anywhere. It wasn't really doing anything for me. It's like I felt you could hit. Now it's different a little bit, but when I was doing it, like you can't really do anything with being the best breakdancer in the world. Like I kind of got burned out, you know, and I saw a lot of. A lot of old school breakdancers just kind of end up like wasting their talent, you know. And I, I, I just knew I was like, I needed something else to to make me uh, more like more happy with myself, you know. What I mean, like I wanted, I wanted to be good at more than just one thing. I didn't want to just be known for like, oh, Gio, he's just a breakdancer. I wanted to, I want to be good at everything, and I still want to learn new things. And I want to, I want to do as much as I can with my uh, potential, you know. Just, there's so many different opportunities, so many different things to do in this world that I want to just get stuck in one thing so I, I made that leap and I had an opportunity I always kind of loved martial arts and mixed martial arts but I never could afford it when I was younger so the chance I got like I got I got the chance to teach breakdancing and, and uh, to train for free and I just kind of took advantage of it and I ran with it and I just kind of like I was like man this is my chance I'm older already if I if I keep you know I think I could get like naturally everybody already were giving me props. They're like, man, you, you move so good. It feels like you've been rolling for a long time. And I had a lot of good feedback, and I just kind of, like, had a vision that, like, you know, like, this is something I'm meant to do. You know, I'm meant to do jiu-jitsu. I always love wrestling with my brother, like, wrestling bigger people. And I was always, like, just good at wrestling. It was weird. And I never, like, wrestled or anything like that. I just kind of knew how to grapple, and, and it just kind of, um, it just transitioned to jiu-jitsu, and I just kind of, like, got hooked and, like I said, in breakdancing, you really motivate yourself and you kind of push yourself. And it was kind of easy to do that in jiu-jitsu because I already did it in breakdancing for so many years. It's kind of like I, I set my mind to it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be good at jiu-jitsu. Like, I'm going to do it. And every time I lost to anybody, even if it feels like a higher belt, like a black belt, even when I was a white belt, it would bother me. It's like, I want to be better at him. I want to be better than all these guys. Like, I was just really, like, competitive. And, and I think just, like, me being a competitive dude and, just kind of having that drive to learn something new and, you know, just felt like I was getting older and I needed to master something else and I needed to kind of, like, redefine myself. And I felt like this was a great, big opportunity and I knew the martial art world and jiu-jitsu is pretty big and, you know, it's very intriguing to me and very interesting. And 
and I just felt it was a natural transition and it was meant to be. So I just kind of accepted it and went with it. Well, I mean, you excelled so fast in it. And one thing I've always been curious in terms of asking people, especially who excel fast or who have such a passion and they're so good at something else and then they transition and they are successful in this is when did it click for you? When was the moment that you both knew you were in in jiu-jitsu and that you felt that you had maybe your biggest breakthrough? I remember, um, like, I remember being in Chicago and, like, uh, I, I lived in Chicago for, like, about, like, two years and I knew this, like, martial artist guy over there, um, he, he was, like, kind of like a Shudokan dude, and he trained, like, jiu-jitsu, too. And, like, I think he was a blue-bone jiu-jitsu, and um, he was a really good, like, striker, MMA, like, amateur fighter or whatever. And we all thought he was a super badass because he could fight, and, like, you know, he, he could fight good. And I remember, like, like he was teaching us, like, jiu-jitsu a little bit, and we were, like, rolling with him, and he just, like, destroyed everybody and, like, made us feel, like, like, like whack, you know? And I was like, whatever, like, this guy's way better than me. I'll never be able to be better than this guy. And then... um and I started training with Sean Bollinger when I went back to when I moved back to San Diego. I, I met Sean Bollinger and I started training with Sean Bollinger and I was like, man, this guy's in a whole this, this guy this kid's a black belt, you know, he's my age. I was like, this guy's a black belt and he's freaking I never felt the black belt in my life so I felt like how Sean Bollinger rolls and, and I just kinda like I knew if I stuck with him and kinda like became a sponge and learned what the fuck he was doing that I could I could get good and you know, I kind of, like, just start training with him every day, you know, like, training hard every day, just kind of rolling with him until he got sick of me rolling with him. And and I roll with him all the time. And then about a month later, um, I did a, I did my first tournament a month later, and it was, like, a blue belt and white belt tournament. It was the first Gracie Nationals I did, but at that point, they mixed, like, uh, early beginners and then, like, uh, intermediate and advanced and uh, the beginners, it was still blue belt and a white belt together. So uh, I ended up like competing there. There's like, I felt everybody was a blue belt set me. And it was just, I only had a month in, but I like ran through everybody too, like fast. And Eddie Bravo was there. And that was the first time Eddie Bravo ever noticed me. And he kind of told me, he's like, man, like, who are you? Like, what are you training at? And I told him, and he's like, he has it. He recorded it. He put it on one of the MTS. And, and I remember him just telling me, like, you know, he was just so happy that I just like won that tournament like easy. I took out like blue belts, like, I I, think I I submitted everybody that day, and it was just like my first tournament ever, a month of training, and then that kind of made me feel really good. Like I I figured something out, you know, it was my first tournament, I won, and it's like as predicted. Because I was like, man, you're gonna kill it. You already hmm. in my first tournament, and it just went, it just happened. Like what I what I visualized, it happened, and and I wanted to make an impact with Eddie. I wanted Eddie to know who I was, and then and then that same day, my it was the first time my brother Boogeyman. He saw me compete. He didn't. He hasn't even started training jiu-jitsu. And he's like, he was, he was like, like right there in the uh, sidelines cheering me on. And he was like, "Come on, let's go, fix your fixes or like kill it." You know, like he was like, it was like a fight to him. You know, like he was just like, <laughs> like show him what's up. You know, freak show. And like, and it was like, it was just like I was pumped, and he got pumped, and he's like, he came. Uh, he was living in Monterey Bay at, at that time, and I remember he uh, he came over, and he's like, like let's, let's wrestle, let's grapple, you know. And, and we're just grappling, and, like, I could never tap my brother out. He's always been my big brother. He always could be my ass. And, um, and, and I just kind of, like, tapped him out a few times, like, where, uh, you know, just Kurt Jiu-Jitsu technique, he was tripping out. You know, it was like, he couldn't believe it, you know. And then he's just, like, that, that whole week, he's like, hey, I want to learn. And I just, like, stayed there, and, like, we just pretty much trained for, like, a week at his house. Or, I mean, at my mom's house. And we just kind of, like, once we trained, we just kind of, like, um, he just fell in love with it. I remember just, we were being, like, in the... 
we're like in the living room, and I'm just like showing him a bunch of like random stuff that I know. And he picked it up really fast too. He he once he started, he he didn't turn it back, and he just he got good fast as well. And around that time was like, or back to the story, I went back to Chicago that same month, and I or a month after, and I rolled with that guy, and I just I destroyed him, and I that that was like very significant to me. I was like, wow, like jujitsu works. Like this guy was like. He trained his whole life, Shudokan, like martial arts. I, I never thought I had a chance to make him tap out. And, and, I, and then he even admitted, he's like, man, you're better than me. Like, he <laughs> couldn't believe it. It was like, I was like, man, I'm learning a lot from Sean Bollinger and Sam Planet. And there's a, something, this is something unique. And this shit works, you know. And, and I, I, it's easy for me. I understand it. It's fun. Like, I, I dream about Jiu-Jitsu. You know, I was thinking about it all day, every day, every night. I was just like... I felt like it was like a brand new drug, you know, like, mm. you know, like I was addicted to to b-boying. How I, I used to feel about b-boying and breakdancing. I kind of lost that feeling and I found it through jiu-jitsu again. And it just felt like, like, whoa, like this is a whole new high. This is different, but it's similar to the feeling that I already had before. And it's like all I could think about. Like I can't stop thinking about it. And then it was hard for me to admit that, you know, it was hard for me to be like, Man, like I love. Am I, do I like jujitsu more than I like breakdancing? And like now, I just accept both of them, you know. But back then, it was like, am I like, like losing love for breakdancing and like just kind of fall in love with jujitsu? And and, it, and I did for a while, but then you know after a while, you kind of start missing breakdancing too. So I just kind of it's a balance. They both give me balance and they both make me happy. So I just do both because it's what I like to do, you know. <laughs> I have a I guess a, a funny aside for your brother. Uh, I saw your brother at a San Diego tournament over the weekend, and I looked at him, yeah. and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get his attention, but I, I don't think he's actually, li- like, we had said hello real quick, and he was rightfully giving PJ all the love, who had a great match over this weekend, the 5 Super League. And I was trying to get yep. his attention, I was trying to get his attention, and I was like, you know what, fuck this. And I was like, hey, Gio. Hey, Gio. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he's like, boogie. And I was like, hey, but that's not a bad thing to be called right now, is it? And I figured, I was like, you know what, I think there's no better way than to be like, my little brother is the shit. Because I'm sure he's, yeah. for years, you have gotten the opposite. But <laughs> for yeah. that, I just, yeah. I mean, just the look at his face as soon as he saw I was joking, and then just the immediate release into, my brother's pretty badass. That look of how proud yeah. he was of you. Um, I've always wondered, what is that like as a resource? Because so many of us don't have families who do jujitsu. Uh, so a lot of the times we sound like the crazy person being like, guys, guys, seriously, jujitsu is fucking amazing. And I'm going to stop talking about it in three hours. I promise. But for you guys to have someone that you can bounce ideas off of, what is the best aspect of having your brother as a resource just in terms of not just your jujitsu, maybe practicing, but also maybe for the mentality. I've always wondered what that's like for you guys. I feel like, uh, having like a big brother that, that does jujitsu and understands jujitsu just as good as you do is is good for for me physically and mentally. Um, he understands the process of training hard and you know kind of staying consistent. So if I'm slacking off and shit like that, he's real quick to call me out and he's always honest. You know, having an older brother or like a brother or like any sibling that trains, like you know, if anybody can tell you the truth, it's your brother. You know, he can, he knows he can criticize me and. I have to humble myself out because I know it's my brother. He's not like just being an asshole trying to call me out. He's being honest, you know, and he says it how it is. And I, I always appreciate him telling me and telling me shit the way it is, you know, not kind of sugarcoating anything and not the same way to him. Like, I don't bullshit to him, you know, he doesn't bullshit to me. Like, if I'm not training hard or if I didn't look good in a tournament or, 
you know, because he, if I'm doing something that he doesn't like, or, you know, just like kind of criticizing me for the good, like constantly making sure that I'm on my toes, keeping me on my toes, and not ever giving me that easy props, you know, not being like, oh, yeah, you're the man, you got everything figured out. It's more like the opposite. It's more like you need to step it up. You know, there's people out there training way harder than you, or like, or like he puts me in a bad situation. He's like, well, what if this wasn't this tournament coming up? And, you know, I always know when me and him roll, when we got to roll, I know he's going to give it all he got. We both get frustrated with each other, like, you know, but it's a, it's a super good competitive uh, kind of role. You know, it's not like we're trying to go easy on each other. But then again, we, we want both of us to bring it. You know, I want, to bring it, I want him to bring the heat, and he wants me to bring the heat. We want to go 100%, but we respect each other. That's why we go 100% with each other. And I think ultimately I want to see him succeed, and he wants to see me succeed. So it's like I want him to be well-prepared. I don't want him to go to war and, like, not be prepared because, you know, I'm not pushing him. And he feels the same way about me. So I know the harder I go with him, the more prepared he's going to be when he goes to the tournament. He feels the same way, I'm sure. Because when I roll with him, he's he's fucking not going easy against me, you know. He's really <laughs> yeah. trying to he's really trying to put it on me, and and that's what I love about him. And you know, when I'm in a tournament, you know, when I lose, he's the first one to you know kind of like be there and kind of like let me know what happened, but be real to me, but make sure he reminds me that you know it's gonna be all right and it's not the end of the world. And it's kind of good to hear that from someone that that knows the game and knows you do too. And you know, he's felt it and he's been there before win and loss, so. When he went, you know, it feels obviously super good, you know, for the same way it goes for him. When I win, it feels good. But when he loses or when I lose, we both feel it together. You know, we lose together and it hurts for both of us. But you always need a, a voice of reason. You know, you need someone that can kind of switch the mood and kind of just remind you that, you know, tomorrow's another day and the world still turns. And no matter what, you got to keep your head up. You know, you always need someone that you trust that, and you respect to tell you that shit because, you know, like no matter how – how strong you are mentally and physically, it's like losing sucks for anybody. So, yeah. you know, when you got to deal with those kind of situations, it's, it's always nice to hear from someone that, that, you know, cares about you and, um, you know, that's been doing it before you and just you've been there with breakdancing, with other sports. Like, you know, he's always been there kind of uh, kind of just making sure that, you know, no matter what happens, I keep moving forward and just keep a positive state of mind and, you know, just stay strong. And it's easy to break and it's easy to want to quit things and, it's easy to feel weak, but it's just kind of something you got to get over and you got to be able to be strong and overcome things like that. And sometimes it's hard doing it by yourself. So having your brother, like my brother, he's, it's a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a positive thing. And it's something that I always kind of appreciated it. You know, like a lot of people, don't, you know, they have brothers or sisters and they, I'm sure that if they train together, they have similar experiences and they have similar relationships because, you know, we're grinding together. We're doing this together. I love seeing my brother's school, you know, succeed. Like, I, I saw where his life came from and how, how much work he puts in. And, you know, he wakes up at 6 o'clock in the morning every day. And, like, he's at his gym till like, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock every day, just kind of training people, you know, making sure the school goes good. And, you know, he has an awesome school. He's very successful. And um, he's doing an excellent job. And I know, I know all the work he put in. So, me seeing that and, like, it makes me happy or me seeing him go to a tournament and, you know, smash, you know, a lot of people and, you know, really submit a lot of people. And it's really good, really good. You know, Richie's been a lot of good guys that are super experienced and, you know, Richie's going to train you for like five and a half years, probably, you know, like, like a lot of people don't realize Richie's new to the game. He's done, he's accomplished a lot in Jiu-Jitsu anime in such a short time to like 
that I just like I like having a brother just talented and dedicated like that too and you know it just kind of I take advantage of it because I don't just kind of like oh yeah my brother's good whatever no it's like I want to learn from him I want to ask questions I want to I want to roll with him I want to use my resources and like you said as much as I can you know not just yeah. for Wolfie but for many reasons well I think there is a great moment and uh something that I mean uh, I think I won't forget there's a lot of photo op moments that you had at this tournament but one that was really great was your brother coming over right after you won. Uh, I think he was putting the flag over you. And, uh, you know, you, like you can't manufacture those moments and you know that they're real and it's great between the two of you. So, uh, you know, that's something that's going to live on on Fight Pass for a real long time. But speaking of EBI 8, I, I, by the way, I loved hearing all of your, your background and, and getting to hear that because I do believe that even though people don't necessarily have that story, everybody has their jujitsu story. And it's always fascinating to hear that because when you fast forward and we start going to big competitions like this, your last EBI was, I believe EBI seven, and it kind of ended in some controversy. And when that happens, it's easy to get discouraged, but I saw you right afterwards and you were real upbeat. You, you seemed to take it well in stride. You knew that another opportunity was going to come. Did EBI seven play any role in how you were prepping for EBI 10. Definitely. You know, like, um, there's a lot of little things about my, my game or just my mentality that I didn't really, uh, I wasn't too happy with. So when I went back to the lab, I just used that as motivation. And I just kept reminding myself that I kept reminding everybody in the gym and everybody that trains with me. I'm pretty honest. You know, when I train, I, I let everyone know how I feel inside and why I'm training a certain way. And, and everybody could tell that, you know, there's certain things like overtime, you know, like I lost by the, the last two EBIs I lost were in overtime. Like one was because uh, of the time and the other one was because of armbar. And I was like, you know what, like that, that really upsets me that I lost in overtime because I know I know I'm really hard to submit, you know, and I know I'm really hard to, uh, you know, like honestly, I, I, I take pride in being able to survive. And I consider myself like, uh, you know, a guy that, that, you know, like I like to be Houdini, you know, I like to escape very bad positions and kind of fight through stuff and and I know I, I know I have that in me so I was disappointed not to be able to show that in the last couple of EBI so I really worked on my defense you know I really worked on defense really understanding that you know like if you're going to tap me out it's going to have to be you know you're going to really have to get something really good and it's going to have to be really deep because uh, I'm going to fight you know so I can get out and, and I think like just having that mentality of working a lot of defense builds my confidence you know like I, I, I was hard to catch in class not a lot of my guys could catch me and I have a lot of good talented people and I felt that I was just like on fire with my defense and my defense like I felt if you're if you're defensively confident it's going to be hard for people to catch you you know it's going to be it's going to be hard for people to beat you mentally so I felt once I kind of got my confidence when it came down to defense it just kind of uh, the second thing I had to worry about was uh, cardio and I really worked on my cardio I really made sure I had Ricardo coming into Mexico going into Mexico and we did like no time limit rolls, you know, just roll so I, I was done with you and or you were done. We're both done. You know, I just kept rolling with no time limit and we just kept rolling for hours like in class and just afterwards hitting the bike and just really doing super long rolls to a point that you're frustrated, you know, and against good guys and, and uh, once I uh, felt my you know, my cardio got a lot better and, you know, my tank was a little bit longer then you know, that that really gave me confidence going into EBI. I knew I was ready because those were the main weaknesses that I had at my last couple of tournaments. And, you know, you're always going to figure out weaknesses and little things that you want to work on. And, and I'm constantly 
working on all my weaknesses and my flaws and you know that's what's great about jiu-jitsu you have you have so much to do so much to work for and you can never really get satisfied so to, I, you know i haven't really taken a break you know i don't really take breaks i feel like I, i'm all i'm always competing for a tournament i'm always getting ready for a tournament even if i'm not competing my teammates or my uh my students are competing and i want them to feel like they're in camp and i want them to feel like we're training hard for not just myself but for them too so we have that mentality in my gym you know we're always training for something there's always something coming up and you know after those ebis i, I never slow down i just kept going what i was doing and and um it really helped me out for ebi 10 it made me feel confident like i said i went there with a confident confidence that i uh i usually have but you know, after those losses, it kind of you have to rebuild yourself. Even though you know that um, you know you can improve, you know you got to work hard. You got to kind of slowly rebuild your confidence and and just kind of tell yourself that like you're gonna be better than ever. And and I, I really believe myself, you know, because I worked hard for it and and just all, training hard and working hard made me really believe it. You know, well, I'm I know sure, that they're grinding. I'm sure your students probably at the very onset of you getting ready for camp were like, oh Jesus. Well, yeah. Seriously, take it down a notch. But uh, obviously, they're getting better at the same time. Now, tell me this because you were there in Mexico about a week ahead of time, right? Yeah, like a week and a half. Okay, so when you got out there, I noticed you guys got there early, and that was great. I saw that Eddie was doing uh, Boy in a Bubble kind of hyperbolic chamber uh, kind of stuff because I looked at that and I looked at Eric and I was like, I can't give that to you. The closest thing we've got is a plastic bag, and I can punch you in the face a little bit, but. You know, we don't have those fancy machines, but then I saw you were over yeah. there and I knew that you were already acclimating to that. How much does that play a factor? Because you said you were working on your cardio. Everybody wanted to know elevation, what that meant. Did you feel it or did your preparation get you to the point where it felt a little more normal or normalized? Like, I mean, it's just a different kind of feeling when you do at the high elevation. And it's like, it just makes me breathe a little heavier. You know, it's a little like, like, you know, when you work out like in like the cold air i feel like it kind of makes you feel like you gotta take deeper breaths and i feel like it, it does that to you but just kind of going out there early and just kind of like doing it over and over rolling a lot uh having some good training partners over there and training and rolling hard and and just doing a lot of cardio with my break dancing and just movement itself kind of got me got me familiar to that breathing it's a different kind of breathing but once you kind of get used to it and you feel it it's like you, it only takes about a week to really get used to it and I knew that by having a lot of friends that are experienced and, you know, they trained in high elevation before and they understand the process and just kind of going there like a week ahead, a week and a half ahead, kind of uh, got me a little familiar with that feeling and it wasn't too bad. I I, uh, I didn't really feel it too much and, you know, uh, I like break dance, doing breakdancing sets is super tiring so I just, I burned myself out just kind of breakdancing until I, like, I'm done and that's kind of like fun for me too so it wasn't like, stressful or it wasn't like anything difficult it was actually something i like to do um i had to think of myself like the rocky movie you know how like <laughs> rocky's like you know how he's like training in the mountains and stuff you know everything all natural i thought i was and i think like eddie cummings was like the russian like oh. he had the yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, he had like the the breathing chamber you know like the high elevation like my blood cell uh bed or whatever yeah it's all fancy and stuff <laughs> I, I didn't have that i just had i was lifting up rocks in mexico and fighting little <laughs> kids selling me chicle over there <laughs> that uh, you know what i'm so angry that uh the guys at ebi from the production team didn't put that one together 
Uh, I feel that's a missed opportunity because that would have been a fucking hilarious short. I do ask this because I, when I did see that you were cutting by breakdancing, I think somebody, I forget who it was, I want to say it might have been Frank, but somebody was like, this is the best weight cut I think I've ever seen because you were breakdancing and Facebook living it. And uh, yeah. you were doing a great job of capturing what was happening between, I guess, the, the, the behind-the-scenes moments of that. And when you guys were showing the venue and you got that look, yeah. it was a great moment between you and uh, Eddie. And you were going around, you were filming, and you could see everybody kind of in their, their nerves or their mental state. It was the day before, the whole set's getting right. constructed together. And you guys had it in exchange. Do you care to talk about that? Because it seemed like you guys were already indicating right then that that's how you wanted it to go and that you wanted fate yeah. to put you guys both in the finals. I felt, I felt like Eddie was cheering for me the whole time. Like, honestly, he was like, he was like slowly throwing like little advices. Like, Hey, this guy right here does this. And like, tell me stuff about like my opponent coming up. Like, I think he just really want, like, we both really want to go up against each other because it's been like a match in the making. And, you know, I honestly, I, I'm not gonna blame him. It was me. The first, the first two, uh, or the first EBIs that we could have went up against each other. I, I just kept missing him at the end, and and then um, obviously when I went to Thailand and I was supposed to compete with him like a month or like a week after, I was like really sick and I just couldn't work. And then the the final match, um, uh, just the promoter had to cancel on us. We were both in Chicago, and the promoter had to cancel. And some guys were like trying to get it set up in their garage or some shit, but it wasn't gonna happen <laughs> that way. But fucking um. So I think we both just want to go up against each other. Like it's like, you know, Eddie's such a. Like, I think he's such a cool guy, and he loves jiu-jitsu like I do. That it's like you want to compete against different people that you find their jiu-jitsu interesting, and and um, you know, I'm pretty sure or hopefully I think he he finds my jiu-jitsu interesting. You know, he likes it, and he's always giving me uh, you know, like good good feedback, and you know, he's always been super cool. And like when it comes down to talking, uh, uh, when we talk about jiu-jitsu, we always kind of. We both respect each other as like neutral, and and I feel like he just he was just really wanted that matchup against me, and I wanted that matchup against him, and it, we know it was meant to be. We just didn't know why it was meant to be, but I think it was meant to be because I was supposed to beat him first round, and it was supposed to happen this way. I was supposed to get the title, and it was supposed to be in Mexico. It just it happened the way it happened for a reason, and it was meant to be. And maybe that's gonna make him better. And who knows? Maybe he's gonna come next match with vengeance, which I expect <laughs> him to, you know, and. But guess what? It makes me hungry too. You know that makes me want to train harder. Like I'm happy I beat him, but am I satisfied? Uh, no, I'm not satisfied. Not at all. I want to submit him in 30 seconds. You know, like <laughs> then I'll be all right. I'm satisfied. I'm not saying that's possible right now, but you know that's my goal. Like I'm not just trying to beat him in overtime or get that victory. Like that's not my ultimate, you know, uh, goal right there. I want to. I want to beat him multiple times, and I want to do it. You know, with style, I wanna, I want you know, I wanna do it right. With so many different, whatever. I want to beat him in different rule sets. I wanna do, I wanna be victorious in many different ways, and and I know that's gonna happen. And we just have that like neutral respect. Like I respect him a lot. I think he has six jiu-jitsu. When he competes against anybody else, I I'll put my money on him. You know, I always <laughs> I, I always know he's gonna go out there and smash him. And uh, you know, like he's a good competitor and. And I accept that rivalry, even though it's not like a beef, like we hate each other. It's more like, man, we want to be better than each other. We both think, you know, we could be the best. And we both think we have a sick style and, and we both work hard and we both train hard and we both have really good coaches that uh, are really, you know, really unique and really interesting, just people in general, you know, and they, they have a, 
a very good influence in the jiu-jitsu community and, and both of us kind of represent the, our coaches and our, our lineage and, and we both want to make our legacy and we both want to be remembered for, for being one of the best submission only competitors out there and, and I know uh, I know he wants you know he wants respect from, from a lot of people and I want respect from a lot of people ultimately too so we're just kind of both using each other as, as a like in a sense of motivation, I, I use him as motivation. Like I see how much, how good he's doing out there, and how dangerous he is, and you know that inspires me, that motivates me, and not just to to be as good as him or better than him, but you know to be be able to beat him and be a be be a good challenge to him and and make him get better. I don't know. Gio, I have to ask this as well because. There was some perception, and you mentioned having a lot of respect for one another, that when Danaher put up that post right after, I think it was EBI 9, that he had said, he had put a compliment to you that was saying you were the best of Eddie's students, but many perceived that to be kind of a backhanded compliment, saying that they were, you know, 10th Planet is kind of replicating Danaher's system. Was there any perceived kind of uh, bad influence or... Where did you take that that statement? Because a lot of the internet blew that up into a very negative statement, uh, and Eddie responded by just saying thank you. You know, Gary also has a great. Uh, I think he was complimenting his lockdown. But was there anything that you perceived in it, or did that like strike you as odd at all? Um, you know, he's Danaher. John Danaher is a smart guy. Like he knows what he's writing down, and I think uh, uh, most of us understand what he's writing down. Like. I know where, he, where he's coming from, and I get it. You know, I get, I get what he's trying to do, but it just like, to me, it's kind of like, uh, like I didn't expect that from him. That's kind of too predictable to do, to do stuff like that. It's just like really like it just. That's kind of like I expect people to say stuff like that. Just, that's like, it's been said before. It's been done before. People think that all the time, but like, and just my argument with that is like styles. And systems they they constantly are evolving like you don't stay staggered you don't stay in one place and it's really mentalities and different philosophies they can all root from the same place but you know people are just meant to have different opinions or different ideas about similar things and you know it just really uh that's what you, you know you preach doesn't mean that's what we preach and we have our own system our own philosophies and and eddie's been eddie for the longest and he's always got shit from people and it's like it's been done before. It's like it's not a surprise. It's like it's been done already, and and um, people are always gonna say some of that. It's been like that for a while, and it just kind of makes it predictable. Like when they say, oh, "Okay, here's another guy like uh, calling Eddie out or calling the system out on stuff that's already been said before." And it's like uh, Eddie's just been doing his shit forever, just kind of trying to do what he does. And and if you believe in what Eddie does, and you meet him, and you you like his vibe, and you 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 really understand where he's coming from and you want to stick with him then that's your own opinion and you know I, I feel like that's just he's my master you know Eddie Eddie's done a lot for me and I see success in my uh, jiu-jitsu and in my life itself because of Eddie so you know to me it's like I don't care if that hurt feels that you know Eddie's like trying to add leg locks to the system and he copied that her like I'm sure that her has some influence in it because they're good at leg locks but Eddie's always been the kind of guy that adds stuff to the system, and and you know, no offense, but Danaher didn't make up leg locks, you know, and Hansel didn't make up leg locks, um, you know, leg locks have been going, you know, from years and years and years. It's like they're old school, you know. It's just now people are really 
uh, I've seen like Sambo guys been doing leg locks for a long time. Cash yeah. Russell, you guys been doing for a long time. It's now it's coming around to jiu-jitsu because of submission only stuff, which is something that Eddie really helped build. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of reasons for, for certain things and moves come and go. You know, what's next? We're gonna start doing wrist locks. You know, and wrist locks are gonna be good <laughs> shit. Like, who cares? You know, like anybody should be allowed to do what they're doing if they if they see success in it and um, it's working out for their system. It's like you're not allowed to do it because Danaher's doing it. They're doing the wall side Ashi and they're doing this. So we're not allowed to do it. It just doesn't really make sense to me. It's like Eddie's not trying to copy anybody or do anything. Eddie's been himself forever, and he just adds stuff to the system. Because he's influenced by everybody. That's what makes that planet special. It's like we're influenced by all grappling, everybody. Not just one particular thing. Is we're influenced from from all sorts of things, you know. Uh, so Eddie's been like that for a long time. So he learned. I heard he learned from um, his lockdown and stuff like that from guys from CSW, like mm-hmm. you know those guys and stuff. So it's like there's a lot of different things that Catch Wrestler's been doing or Lucha Libre, you know. Like uh, no one made up anything. Nothing new under the sun. That's what I wrote. There's nothing new under the sun. It's like everything's kind of come around. It's just how good can you put it together and how how good can you teach it to your students and how good can your students pick it up and apply it. And that's definitely something that people like to hate on with that planet. But when you got guys like me, you got guys like Richie and Nathan Orchard, you know, we got a bunch of killers, Danny. Like there's guys out there that are coming up and then we have all the brown belts coming up from my school, Richie's school. You know, we have all, all the new black belts and, we have a lot of new guys that are really going to make a lot of noise coming up soon. And, you know, we're so young. Templon is so young. And, and I feel a lot of people are going to really realize how dangerous and, uh, the system really is real soon. And if they haven't realized now, then, you know, it's just a question of time until they, until they really see the truth. Well, don't forget. Templon is all about. I think the, the perception for me has always been, you know, this is coming from years ago when leg locks were considered uh, something that people would boo during matches. So you can see right. a progression of how much more it's been integrated where people feel a little bit more comfortable and it's become the norm now. And I think if I was reading it right, there was some folks on the internet who maybe had the perception as well that it seemed to be kind of a jostling for position. You know, they want to be head of the food chain. You know, you guys have a system. And I don't know if this is something you perceive, but especially with EBI, I think you guys are in a new wave for 10th Planet where you were the outsiders, and now, in some ways, you guys are kind of the mainstream. So I think that we're yeah. now at a place where we're seeing two really, really solid and effective systems trying to be the best. And I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that, but I do wonder if that is where, in your perception, it made people want to see that match between you guys all that much more. Yeah, like, of course, like, there's... There's that, like, unspoken beef between us and, like, and them. Like, obviously, they, like, I don't know. My perception is they, they, I'm sure they like some of us, you know. Like, they have to respect some of us. And, you know, like, there's a lot of Templar guys that are really cool. And I'm sure there's some that are douchey, whatever. You know, everyone has different opinions about everybody. But, you know, like, they, they acknowledge us. They respect us. But they obviously feel they're better than us. And they think they're, they're the kings. They're on top. You know, and that's fine. Like, that's what... You know, they have a lot of reasons to feel that way, but, you know, like, we're not, we're not satisfied, we're not done, we're not, we're not staying put, you know, we're working hard and we're, we're staying humble and we're realizing what we got to do, and, you know, it's, it, it's a never-ending journey, and if I'm not the best in the world one day, then I'm going to make sure I have students that are the best in the world, you know what I mean, like, we're all striving yeah. for that, like, to be considered the best in the world, why, because, 
that's how jiu-jitsu works. It's just, you know, like a lot of a lot of people want to prove themselves within battle, within combat, and, and uh, you know, the best way to do it is, like, there's no secret to it. It's like, you test someone out, you're better than them. Like, you know, that's how it goes. And if you're keeping, if you're keeping, I guess, count, uh, you know, that and her, that's why they beat him more 10-pounder guys than 10-pounder guys beating them, you know? That's fine, but uh, they got guys, you know, they haven't competed with our guys, and, and a lot of our guys, you know, are hitting different levels, so it's, it's a wave that comes and goes, and, and I feel like we're definitely out there, and they're definitely taking notice, and, you know, maybe that's why we get feedback from them like that. Maybe that's why Danaher likes to make posts. They're kind of, like, backhanding us, and that's fine, though, you know? I look at it as a kind of like a respect like we're in, they're looking at us because we're we're right there with them you know what i mean we're another interesting uh jiu-jitsu organization that has a, a lot of unique techniques and a lot of upcoming guys that are they're coming up and getting good real fast and, and the, the game's changing and uh it's evolving and uh Tempon is riding the wave and you know we're not like i said we're not sitting back staying put we're we're working hard and we're experimenting and um we're creating a lot of dangerous motherfuckers up in here you know like there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of good oh, yeah. right now you know there's a up, lot so. of stuff bubbling under that i think people i mean we have the benefit of living in socal so we know right. we get a little bit of a, a sneak preview but i've seen people not just from 10th planet but who are just bubbling under who i'm waiting to see yeah. explode and and I, I get excited when i hear people get excited about them and uh, obviously one of that would be you know your own student, Ricky Lul. But let's get into talking about EBI and walk me through the actual competition itself. So day of, we have you facing the very game Christian Woodmancy, who you outweigh uh, by a bit because it didn't look like Christian uh, had to cut at all any weight. Yeah. I think he was a buck yeah. 15 with dripping wet and rocks in his pockets. But uh, when that does I happen. Think, I, I think like, yeah, he's a small, I don't know how much he weighs, but I just know it was like he's a small guy and um, – but he's a gamer, you know. I see him. I know he's an awesome dude, and I, I trained with him before, and I, I seen him, do, you know, flash a lot of good guys. So mm-hmm. I just knew I had to go in there. And like, I know he's gonna try to get on me. He's not gonna hold back. So I'm just like, I'm just trying to go hard, you know. I'm not trying to ha- go easy on anybody. So yeah. I just knew whoever was in front of me was gonna have a long day either way. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I was gonna go hard. So it could have been anybody. I was just, I was just ready. You know? And um, and he made he made like a mistake, and I just uh capitalize on it and and, uh, and finish you know I was, I was hunting for submissions and and uh you know and those kind of tournaments if, if you know you have someone and they smell blood and they see uh opening they're gonna take advantage of it and you know you can end the matches you know quick real quick so i got i got uh i ended up catching a, a dars and mm-hmm. just timing after he did a simple mistake you know just a little mistake but we're, we're we train for that kind of stuff you know i train for for openings and uh, I saw it and I just ran with it and and uh, you know it, I'm sure like he's gonna you know I'm sure he doesn't feel good losing that quick but he's a he's a gamer he's the kind of dude that's gonna get in the lab and work hard out of that and to me it made me feel good it just made me feel prepared like I was ready for whoever's next you know I mean if you're asking my perception which you weren't but I'll give it to you uh, when I saw yeah. that happen <laughs> I literally looked because I know Christian I've rolled with Christian. Uh, Christian yeah. is very fast, very technical, very smart about the way he does what he does. So when I saw you barrel yeah. through him very quickly, that's when I knew you were going to be on fire that day because I thought that was a good yeah. setup. And I thought actually putting you guys together first, uh, you know, yeah. he's somebody who I thought could go deeper in the tournament had there been a different bracketing system. But when I knew that right. you guys got paired up together first, I said, they want fireworks to start this event. 
and I think we got yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, what I thought too. And like, a, he's an exciting guy like I am. You know, I thought oh, he was yeah. going to bring that. Yeah, so I mean, it, we kind of figured it was going to happen. And as Eric was describing from his experience, he's like, you know, he was watching people go in like it was uh, like a, a stadium full of warriors and that people would go into this Coliseum and then head right back real quick at the very beginning of the event. So people were, <laughs> were getting eliminated. He's just like, oh, shit, I need to get my brain together. So as yeah, that's happening, it was. It like that. you know, you, you've got that. And then you see Ricky Lule, and, and you've got this student who – it, is it hard for you to then separate there? Because I know that you have the killer mentality, but you also are still an instructor. So you're watching him go through. How is that even reconciled for you? I've heard this. My brother told me, like, when that he's going to take care of it. Like, when he's going up there, not to worry about it. Because Richie's been training with Ricky for a long time. So Richie's like, don't worry about him. I'm going to go coach him. You'll be a fucking competitor today. I was watching the match on the screen in the back, and I was just like, he was just going to be hyped, you know? Like, every time he... I just like I was just getting hyped for him. Like anytime I saw him do anything good or successful, it just made me made me get even more hype. I just <laughs> I just knew he was working hard, and just like every time after after his first match, I just like you know when I told him a big hug, and he just looked at me and was like, "Yeah, we're doing this shit." You know, we're, we're both feeling good. Like let's just go in there and like run through this crowd, you know, and like run through this uh, uh, list right here and like our bracket, and we just kind of both felt ready. So. Uh, we both we've been training really hard. He's been part of my training camps, you know. So it's been like he's Ricky never rests. So he's been in a training camp with me this whole time too, going hard. And he kind of just knew that we've been preparing hard, and like we have way harder battles in our gym, you know. This is going to be a good night for us, you know. Yeah, that's so. I mean, that's so interesting uh, to see, and that uh, you know, that is one of the things I appreciate about EBI as compared to gentlemen's agreements is you guys do go for it, and that. Oh, yeah. For the fans, it's always a big, big thing because, you know, nobody likes to see somebody get, like, the hand raised just to be like, all right, I'm letting him go on because what did we pay for? You know, as a fan, and I'm sure you as well, you want to see something happen. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was Uh, great of you guys. And, And you were so complimentary to him. You know, he was he was going out there. I mean, he had a look where he wanted to kill you, too. And. Uh, there was that one moment that I think that any jiu-jitsu practitioner could relate to when they see their instructor mount their student and you just go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Gio's, uh, Gio's going to finish this real quick. I think at one point you were locking up kind of, uh, was it a Kimura at the very beginning? And you, you had yeah. this strong grip, and I was just like, oh, fuck. Well. I know Ricky too good. You know, I've been training with him for a long time, and um. <clears throat> but don't get me wrong, you know, if I if I make a mistake, Ricky has fucked me up. You know, he he's a he's a dangerous ass dude. You know, he 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 knows how to finish. So I know, like, I wasn't gonna give him any room. I I took him serious. I, I looked at him. I was like, all right, we we knew already. We we talked already. We told each other we we're gonna go hard. We promised that he probably we're gonna go hard. And um, <laughs> you know, we just best man wins. And um, you know, like he knew I had a better percentage. But you know, uh, Ricky Ricky's a gamer and. You know, if he sees an opportunity, he's like me. He's gonna attack and he's gonna finish. And and uh, you know, I I just kept kept everything tight, kept everything smart, and and uh, just kind of you know kept the pressure on him. And you know, just just kind of got to my world. And and uh, you know, it was, he got there too deep. And you know, by the time he tried to get out, it was a little too late for him. But yeah. you know, if anything, if anything, Ricky Ricky knows that you know his time is gonna come soon. So, well, he was also. You know, I mean. Just, he, he, I mean, most people would be finished fairly quickly in that transition. 
So yeah. he was he was really trying to tough it out and work it through. And I think he was able to maybe under free uh, a little bit of one of his trapped arms to try and get back into yeah. it. So uh, major props cable, to him, man. His cable just wise, you know. Like, he yeah. made me work. I was like, man. I mean, afterwards, I had to make, like, my girl both talk my arm. Because like, <laughs> I, I, I holding, like, I don't really tame him down. He's a, he's a kid, you know, so. I definitely feel like I was like working extra hard, but but uh, but I was like, man, why you made me work so hard? Like that? <laughs> Supposed to just roll over, bro. Right. But he's not. He's not like that. So no, not, I'm not at like all. that either. And, and you I think. Keep I think you'd be stupid not to come away with a great appreciation from him if you're watching it as a spectator, because you know that's as, exactly what you want, I'm sure, as an instructor uh, for you, and then as a fan to see him have such a great tournament himself. You, you get excited, and, and I know you're super proud of him. You wrote a really nice uh, message about him as well afterwards in the fact. So now we're getting to this point where you see you finish Ricky, and then you see Eddie and Barrett. And I think you know somewhere in the deep of the abscess of your brain that this could happen and that it, you're so close. So how much are you rooting for Eddie to put Barrett away in this match? I, I, I want to hurry up. I want to compete already. Uh, so it's like... <laughs> I just like, I'm like, hey, just hurry up, like, get it over with, like, something <laughs> happened, you know? And then what happened, I was just like, I already knew, like, after it was ready to go, so uh, I just, once it happened, it was like, all right, it's game time, like, I was just, it just, everything I envisioned, visualized was happening, so it was like, it just felt right, you know? The joke that we had put felt, uh, in the earlier part of the day was, uh, I believe, in his uh, quarterfinal match, uh, Barrett Yoshida has his his knee attacked, and people were trying to kill him uh, with a heel hook. And I don't know if you know yeah. that there's a Skeletor meme where it's like when people try to insult you, but you're dead inside, and it's of Skeletor laughing. Yeah. I was like, I feel yeah. that's Barrett's leg. Like I feel that's yeah, him dude, being like, seriously. oh, dude, like it's Jello. Do whatever you want. But then you see a he different quality when you look at Eddie Cummings getting in that entry for that inside heel hook, different. and you go. Well, he's Eddie Cummings. So now I'm sure you're looking at it and you're thinking, game on, motherfucker. So yeah. if that's the case, we get to the finals now. You're about to hit the stage. What's what's the first thing you're thinking? I was just closing my eyes and like just kinda like just like kinda trying to stay in the zone and, and um and I kinda like fell asleep. I felt like I fell asleep like in a weird way, like I just like fell into like a weird trance and I fell asleep, but I just felt really happy, really relaxed, and like I, I, I didn't even really like you know. I stressed out of the match like weeks before, you know. I thinking about it would stress me out, and I just kind of like I didn't feel that. I, I just felt so relaxed. I was like, ah, it was just like a normal roll. Like it didn't really hit me, you know. It was, my body just kind of like went on autopilot. And it was like oh, I'm supposed to roll right now, just whatever. <laughs> this is Eddie Cummings, like no big deal. Just go in there, and I felt I thought I would be more like more uh like like tense you know more i thought it was gonna be more intense but it was really just very calm very relaxing very like it just felt right well good for you because those of us who were watching at home i thought they needed to add like the jaws music every time he got near (laughs) anybody's leg because i just kept hearing like oh god Oh God! This is a horror movie. Anytime I watched him get anywhere near the legs, I'd just be like, "Oh nope, nope." Oh God, please. That's Everything how I feel okay. usually, you know. When I watch him, that's how you feel. To be honest, <laughs> but like I said, it just like my body just kind of like it was just like a, a defense mechanism, and like it didn't. I didn't, I didn't want him his aura to phase me. You know, I didn't want his energy to get to me. I knew I was like, whatever. Like 
I, I just accepted him, like, you know, but I know the reality, like, I'm not a fool, like, I know, I know that this guy is fucking, like, Jaws, you know, like you said, he's dangerous, he, mm-hmm. he bites on any of your heels or ankles or even your back, he's, he's fucking dangerous, so I accepted that, and, and I just told myself, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going for it, like, I'm just, like, just, it is what it is, this life, like, this is what I want, this is what I visualize, mm-hmm. so, like, what's the next step, you know, what, yeah. what's supposed to happen here? I gotta just do it right now. You know, I'm right. I have the opportunity to make this vision reality, and that that feels really good. You know, to be able to to get into that zone. How much did I guess the game plan vary from what you were expecting in this match? The game plan is always to finish. You know, to submit as soon as possible. Like that's always my game plan. But when you get put in a bad situation or you get put in a leg position, the game plan is to survive. You know, not to get caught, and once you get out, to attack again. So. Or if you see opportunity attack and counter, but constantly reminding yourself to stay the fuck away from the heel hook, you know, like be safe and don't get tapped. Like no matter what, if you get tapped, that's that's the worst thing you can do, you know. So it's yeah. like I didn't want it to, I I didn't want to get there, you know. Like that was what I was just I knew I got put in a bad situation, and I was like, cool, whatever, I accept it. Now you know I got to survive this motherfucking heel hook, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I, I I gotta try to be calm and. I just didn't let it phase me. I didn't let it break me. I, I knew I could survive it. I knew what my my mission was at that moment, you know, was to fucking survive, not to fucking... Of course, I can't submit them at that moment. I, I'm in a bad leg lock position. I got to get out. I got to play smart. I got to, you know, be relaxed and I can't panic and try to run away and stuff because that's what he wants me to do. I'm going to sit there and peel myself apart until I get out. You know? I guess I have a two-part question for this next one. One, is your leg dead? And two... When you are put in those bad positions, was there any one or two particular instances where it was close? Like, were there any moments that you felt, uh, this is really bad in this moment? No, not really. You know, I, there's like little hand battles that I lost during the moment. Like, I'm like, all right, he got my heel before I peeled that arm out or blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of like, I hate losing even little battles like that. But <laughs> I never felt like I lost, like he never had my leg extended or he never had my leg pressured and I never felt, um, I felt he, he beat me on a couple grid battles, but never beat me in the, like, like angle, you know, he never got the right angle he was looking mm-hmm. for, and he was, he was trying to scare me with a bunch of, um, like, um, like, kind of, like, threats, but they were just kind of, like, mediocre threats, I knew better, you know, I knew where I was at, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, 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 I knew, I knew if I made any crucial mistake, he was going to capitalize on it, so I just played those little details, and I just remembered, my leg rules, you know? Yeah. So I just played the game and, and I just uh, stayed away from the danger zone. Uh, I never crossed that line, you know, and I feel like he really was trying really hard to push me over the line and I just kind of stayed focused and uh, prevailed at that moment. So I got to ask this because the internet, and not all of the internet, but there is a chapter of it that was saying that you were stalling out. Now, yeah, I would love to hear a response to that because maybe we saw two different matches. From my own perception... Like, you were in a bad spot and working from it, and it's not the most ideal, but you get caught that way because you're trying to attack something. Is that a little yeah, bit more along the lines? Yeah, if anybody knows me, they know I'm not a solid. I'm the opposite. Like, people, you know, like, get mad at me because I'm the opposite. You know, like, I'm known for fucking always going for submissions and always wanting to win by submission, and, you know, that's my goal. Like, ultimately, that's why I do jiu-jitsu for. But, um, you know, when you get put in certain 
situations that you can't be a dummy. You got to be smart. I am a black belt. I am smart. I know how to fucking <laughs> defend and leg lock. And I know the rules. You know, I know the game. It's like, I'm not delusional. You know, like such a beginner white belt move to do is like, you know, at that moment, try to like burst out and run away or something like, <laughs> you know, the smartest thing to do is to stay calm under pressure and survive that bad moment. And, and once you escape, then you can start thinking about plan B, which is, you know, countering them. But, yeah. You know, you got to really be smart with it. You can't just be you can't just be dumb and not realize what position you're at. You know, I knew exactly where I was at and I knew exactly what he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted. And, and the people that know jujitsu know exactly what's going on there. So, you know, people just say that they just want to find a reason to say why, you know, to just hate. And that's okay because if you know who I am ultimately, you know that I'm the dude that's always going to hunt for submissions. And that's kind of like what makes me happy. And that's what I'm known for. And, you know, I'm more of a, guy that's gonna root for the guy that's going for submissions of course you know but yeah. if i'm in the middle of the match and i gotta survive i gotta do what i gotta do man survival is the ultimate jiu-jitsu rule you know if you don't survive you lose you die you know yeah. i don't want to die <laughs> i enjoyed though that gary's response to that uh at least from his own uh, social media was you know we don't make any excuses and i wouldn't expect eddie to either but I thought that was uh, a stand-up thing from at least Gary's perspective. So let's say, you know, you get through the regulation. Uh, you were put through really tough spots. There was one moment I saw you huffing and puffing right at the end, right as you're about to get into overtime. Uh, you looked yeah. exhausted. Is that an accurate read? I'm not exhausted, just like kind of like, uh, disappointed. You know, myself, mm. I'm like, man, I, I, I had to defend this whole time. And it was like, kind of like a breath of like fresh air. Like, all right, all right, now it's my turn to put in work and. <laughs> You know, like, I got to survive this shit. And it's, like, it's stressful, too, like, mentally, because I, I want to put him in danger. And, you know, I was just feeling those little things. So I was, like, kind of just frustrated that I, I even got put in that situation. And, and uh, just kind of trying to stay physically and mentally ready. And, you know, sometimes you got to take some deep, deep breaths in and out and kind of just kind of get your thoughts together and just kind of get in the zone. But I didn't, I didn't feel tired. You know, I didn't feel, like, dead. I didn't feel, obviously, I didn't feel like I... I was out of juice. I feel I still had more in me, and I still feel like the match could go my way. So I was I was never defeated. I felt the whole time I was just kind of mentally trying to just kind of remind myself what what's going on and what's happening, and you know just kind of keep myself focused mentally and not let anything break me. Was I tired? Not tired, but do I have to take a deep breath in and now? Because fucking there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, like you know there's a big there's a lot of shit going on right now. Like it's not like it's not like a walkthrough in the park, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm working. I'm working right now, you know? I'm well, you know, grinding. it's the the first part of the match. You know now you're in the second half, which has a, a different level of unpredictability as well. But as you had said, you had been training for that and prepping for it. So yeah. let's talk about that because let's talk to me about these transitions that you were making because you chose a spider web position, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just for uh, right now, i got like five minutes left because we're like getting here already, but... um. I got I'll answer you, this real fast. Absolutely. Let's um, go ahead and get there. Uh, um, you know, uh, I wasn't sure what I was going to pick, and um, I looked at Eddie, and Eddie just kind of like, mum, like you know, just kind of like mouthed the word uh, spider web, and I was like, all right. You know, I didn't even hesitate, and I knew already I've been really working on my spider web, and um, I feel confident, you know, in the spider web. I've been doing this as all the white belt, so just kind of like, uh, you know, proving to myself that I would think spider web was very important to me because I'm like, you know, this is a big part of the planet, uh techniques, and I, I haven't really got any big wins in spider web, and I haven't really proved myself to everybody that I have good spider webs, but I know I do, you know, because I put in a lot of time and reps in there. So um, I, I just kind of like, I, I just took a risk. I knew if I didn't get it, I would still be able to do the back afterwards. But, 
I took I took the chance and it was unexpected. It kind of changed the game a little bit. I think even Eddie Cummings wasn't expecting that, so that kind of made me feel like even more confident just seeing the way he reacted towards when he said spider away. Like really, like he was surprised. Hmm. So it's like uh, once I went there, I hit him with the bicep slicer and um, he didn't have no answer for it. You know, his defense was trying to pull out and I felt that was just making it tighter for me. I, I was uh, you know, I was happy. I knew I knew I could ride it out. I have a really good bicep slicer and I could ride it out for a while. And I was just. I was just chilling, and um, I, I, was, I know his arm was hurting because my arm started hurting. You know, I was like, he has to be feeling this. And the more you pull, the tighter it gets too. So I, I was just like, I was just kind of waiting for it. And then once he let go, I, I try to hit him with either a triangle or armbar. So if he keeps pulling away, then I'll get the armbar. If he goes in, then I'll get the triangle. And um, I crossed my ankles, and he just kept pulling out. So I just ended up hitting him with the armbar, and I knew. I knew if I controlled the wrist and his arm was already worn out because of the bicep slicer, I knew it was my day. And, um, you know, it just felt good to hear him say, tap! <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and when that does happen, you know, did that go as according to you had planned? Had you game planned that? Um, where was that? I mean, were you surprised? Or what was your reaction post that? I was just, it was just like, you, you know, when you beat a level, like a like a video game level or something, it just kind of like, you beat the boss, like that's what it felt like, I just beat the boss, and like, like I heard like a theme song, and then, and then, you know, and then I realized there's a bonus round that he was going to try to meet me, so I was like, oh shit, alright, I gotta get in the zone, but it was like a a, a a victory, like a baby victory, you know, the, yeah. a small victory within the battle, like I was saying earlier, and I ended up, you know, catching him, and it was like, something that I wasn't sure if I was capable of doing, or anybody else was capable of doing, and, you know, just that I did it. The fact that I did it, it just it, it was a good accomplishment. I was like, all right, like that. That just kind of answers that for me. Like he is human, and he will tap if you fucking break his arm almost. You know, like <laughs> so it's like so it just felt you know it felt like a good accomplishment. It just felt right. I felt like all right, I got this. I like that. Well, I know you got to get going. I got just a couple small question for you. I know people want to ask this because they want to see it, but my friend. Will we see a rematch? And are we in what format? Or what are you down for? Because I know you're not satisfied. Definitely a rematch coming soon. What format? I don't know. It might be an EBI. It might be submission only. Who knows? But I'm I'm ready. And whoever has the best offer, let's do it. Awesome, Gio. I want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've been a busy man. I know you're about to go get a hero's welcome over at headquarters right now. Will you bring in the belt with you? And uh, I got to tell yep. you, man. Uh, you have been so steadily progressing and increasing. And as somebody who watches and is a huge fan of the sport, not only have you been super gracious to us, but you're an easy person to get behind. And I think any person who logically watches jujitsu doesn't care about the beef or perceived beef that people are manufacturing. I think we just care about the jujitsu between you and Eddie and you and Eddie delivered. So on behalf of jujitsu fans, we just want to say thank you so much. And I know if this is a new level and a new ring for what it is that you're doing right now and you're not even done, we look forward to seeing what happens next, man. Thanks, man. Really appreciate everything. And, um, you know, thanks for the support, and, um, you know, I'll keep supporting you guys. And, you know, like I said, I appreciate guys like you guys that, um, you know, just want to make the community grow. And um, I'll just keep repping, and hopefully I'll be seeing you guys soon. Most definitely. You get out of here. You go enjoy yourself, sir. You go fucking celebrate that you deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, our good friend, Push. the incomparable, Gio Freakazoid Martinez. Gio. Freaks don't sleep. Later, man. That was some interview, right? Totally worth making 
a special episode midweek. I know you guys, you'd already seen that we had did an episode this week. You you figured we were done, and I thought so too. But when you get an opportunity like this, you got to take it. You got to make sure that you get the the exclusive, the goods. And I think Geo gave that to us today. What I was most surprised about was his very candid answers to so many of the questions that we were able to uh, put forth for him today. And that's just what it is for Geo. And if I can maybe take a guess here as to why people like him so much, it's because of this. Geo exudes such a fan perspective in terms of getting hype for jiu-jitsu. So when you have that and you have the ability to see someone get excited and say things like, when I see other people competing, I want to be in there, that's the type of person you want to root for. At my own viewing party uh, where I went to go see it and it was the math therapy folks who put it together, the place came unglued when he won. And those things you can't manufacture in life. So it was cool to get his perspective and compile it with uh, so many of the outpouring of uh, appreciation and awesomeness. And at the same point, getting to ask him point blank what he thought of those people who said that he was stalling out because I just find it very fascinating that people are going to find ways to hate on this when in actuality they gave us a great match and he's willing to do a rematch. So, you know, it's not just props to Geo, it's props to him and Eddie. And I like that they have a great rivalry and I hope that we continue to see them compete. And, you know, if the two of them step foot on a mat, it's going to be a hard thing to turn down. So I, I can't thank him enough for, for really explaining, I guess, his own perspectives on uh, the matches. Uh, and it's cool to also hear from the other side because, like I said, I was so busy helping Eric as much as I could that when we started looking around to, like, the, the big players, like your Geos and your Eddies and your Barrett Yoshidas and trying to get Eric ready it's really hard to replicate their games or to really give them that kind of experience. So to hear him say such nice things about Eric was uh, also a great thing. So I guess what I'm saying is when you move past it all and it's all said and done, jiu-jitsu is all about these great moments that you get. So our thanks to him. And uh, I got to say, there's something really cool for us to have uh, talked with him as he was getting ready to go, as you heard at the very end of the interview, to 10th Planet. And you have to know that's got to be a special day for him, that he held down the the banner for, for that school, and he was going, he was bringing the belt, he's getting a hero's reception here tonight. So something about today made it super special for us to be a part of, and we, we thank him and all of you for uh, listening to the second episode that we did here this week. We hope that you guys, uh, you know, you check out all of our interviews. I, I just did a great recap episode with uh, our good friend Eric Medina yesterday on Facebook Live, and I have to say this because it is so cool. Uh, you know, we gave Eric a little bit of a ribbing because uh, we found some funny photos, and uh, we were able to talk all about his perspective for the great match he had with Barrett Yoshida. But there was nothing better to me than when I saw on our Facebook Live page that Barrett Yoshida himself liked our video. Now, I can't tell you if that means Barrett watched a whole bunch of it or any of it, but it goes to show that this sport is sometimes even cooler than you can think about because 
you know, we just do that telecast because I want to hear what my friend has to say. I want to hear his unique experience. And it's really cool when you have a warrior like Barry Oshida who uh, supports Eric. And uh, I've heard rumors. I don't want to put anything out there, but I've heard rumors that Yoshida himself is interested in possibly doing a seminar over at the LA Jiu-Jitsu Club. So more information on that when it becomes available. But at its best, guys, that's what the sport is. And, you know, I don't want to keep espousing on that for too long. But I'm going to give a, a quick shout-out to a couple folks. Again, shout-out to Gio. And, you know, this is the weird part. We didn't even get the chance to talk about what the hell is going on this weekend that Gio is putting on. Uh, because uh, him and his brother uh, actually are doing this really, really cool thing uh, over in San Diego this weekend. It's an event, I believe... It is called uh, The Ultimate Mat Warriors, and it is a competition over in San Diego. It's taking place at 9 a.m., and uh, guys, you get money if you compete. It's for white belts, blue belts, purple belts. There's going to be a women's division with white and blue belts, and uh, (laughs) this is my favorite thing that they have as the tag. Uh, The winner of each division will get a cash prize. So who's going to win this money? That's what it says on the copy on the page at least from boogie so if you guys are in the area please go support that um i would have loved to have talked with them about that but i think we (laughs) we took up enough of his time here tonight so like i said a cool night for us here at verbal tap but an even better night for jujitsu so uh i just want to give another shout out to obviously the la jujitsu club having some great training over there and i want to give a shout out to our good friend kevin phillips who by the time he hears this he's probably going to be celebrating his birthday and uh, since he's not here to tell me I can't say anything, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, Kevin is such a fun person to do this show with, and it sucks when we don't do this show with him. We've only done it like a couple times, and we always try to involve uh, him when uh, he's away. And it's only been like, what, three times out of, what, 200 episodes? But the next time we interview Gio Martinez, we are going to do our best to have Kevin on the line because... Uh, I know for sure he's going to geek out on so many of the things that Gio was talking about here tonight. Anyway, folks, that's going to do it for us here at Verbal Tap here tonight. Um, it's been fun. We hope you liked this episode. If you like others, go ahead and check them out, out on our uh, I guess Buzz Sprout page. If you're on iTunes, give us a nice five-star review. And, I mean, you don't have to give us five stars, but, like, don't be a dick. Like, really, just give us five stars. It's not that hard. Anyway, guys, this is Rafa Sparza saying goodnight to you guys. Oh, wait. Yeah, I guess I should just go ahead and end it there. Normally I say goodnight and good fight, but eh, do whatever you want. Peace out, guys. <laughs> <laughs>